0: Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the 16th episode of the Worm Burner Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and for this week, we have a whole bunch of news going on around the world. The first news is at Chelsea for a small little notification about that involving a very influential Chelsea FC player, and then going on to the MLS to really discuss some of the latest news that has gone on there and how I feel about it being an American and going into the remainder of this season and into the future for the MLS. There's just going to be so much as well as the breakdown of the Ecuadorian Premier League and of course, ending with our extra man advice of the week. If you have not already, check out our website, the Dash Wormburner, Dash Podcast.captivate.fm. Again, that is the Dash Wormburner, Dash Podcast.captivate.fm. And if you have not checked out our Twitter and or our Facebook, that is going to be at facebook.com forward slash the wormburner podcast. And Twitter is wormburner pd. CST again. It is at Wormburner PD. CST. Let's go ahead and get it into this week's episode. So the latest news that has come out of the Chelsea FC camp is that Petr Cech has left the side as the technical and performance advisor for the club uh, since the club was taken over by Todd Bowley. This is, I believe, the third or fourth individual that has left the club in regards to the whole Todd Bowley takeover or Todd Bowley-led consortium takeover. This is honestly really shocking for me considering the fact that I don't think that Petr Cech would have left under his own accord cord if that makes sense. I don't want to insinuate that Todd Boley or anybody else forced him out, but maybe what could be happening under the surface is that Peterchek doesn't believe in the vision that maybe Todd Boley and the consortium have for the club. It could be a whole host of different things. Maybe even Petrcek has been thinking about getting into management. Who knows? He could be going back to the Czech Republic and managing a club there. I don't know. I, I'm not in the head of Petrcek, but this is a sign to me that something is going on at Chelsea Football Club. Whether it's good or bad, we'll obviously see in the future. But knowing that Petrcek has that love for Chelsea Football Club, I can't really think of a reason as to why he would willingly leave the club. And that's where, honestly, a lot of the confusion on my end, and I've seen in in multiple different reports, is this is just, we we don't understand what's going on at Chelsea. This is, as I said, the third individual that has left, of course you have uh, Roman Abramovich, which is very easily... it it That was a foregone conclusion, obviously, being the owner of Chelsea Football Club. But you also have the Chelsea FC director. I hope I don't botch her name, but it's Marina Granovskia, I believe is how it's pronounced. And so she has left in regards to the Todd Bowley preparation or in, in preparation for the Todd Bowley takeover of Chelsea Football Club I'm not entirely sure, and again, this is where I may not know the knowledge that other people do, and this is a very common thing for new people or new owners to clear house like this. I it just leads me to the whole situation of i don't think petracek would have left under his own accord is all i'm trying to say i don't want to insinuate anything as i've stated before it's just very weird that something like this has happened and he's just been in this put into the situation that i did not think that petracek would be put into I would love to see where he goes, obviously. If he gets into management, I want to see it. It'll be definitely of interesting venture for him to take, and I want to see his skill as a football manager. It'll definitely be worth watching. But to go on to the bigger news that's coming up across the pond, of course, there is the transfers that have gone through with the MLS The one that I've prepared less for to talk about is Lorenzo Insigni to Toronto FC. I think that this is a great move. Obviously, being the player that he is, I am so ready to see the MLS just improve automatically. I know that when you're talking about these level of talents that are coming over to the MLS, it's just a, a great thing to see having these players come over and play their last years. I know with us being labeled as the Retirement League, it's a bit of a kick in the leg when it comes to that because, of course, you don't want to be known as the Retirement League or or a Retirement League but when you have a player in the caliber of Lorenzo Insigni you kind of have to make a little room for him and but not compromising the overall picture when it comes to the club. And I feel like, for me, that's something that, with Atlanta United, they've done really well pulling in really good talent at the youth level and working them into the squad, either already putting them then to the first team or building them up the academy and then putting them into the first team. It's a very smart way to manage a football side in the MLS. And going back to Toronto FC, I think that Lorenzo Insigne can really bring up the level at Toronto FC that they may have lacked over the past couple years. They are currently sitting in 11th place in the MLS Eastern Conference. It's looking like this signing will really boost. I, I hope it really boosts the team overall morale, as a whole and then bringing up the talent of course at Toronto FC it's just going to be a it was a great signing when i heard about it and just something that i feel complements the talent that they already have and it's just an overall very good signing now talking about signings you I can't make the episode today without talking about the two recent transfers that have happened over in the Western Conference, more specifically having to do with LAFC, with the acquisition of both Giorgio Chiellini and Gareth Bale to LAFC. Those are two absolutely crazy signings. Whether I agree with the aspect of getting players that are up in their age. Of course, Giorgio Chiellini being being 37 years old, Gareth Bale, I believe, is 31 or 32 along those lines. Whether I agree with that or not is up for debate, but having those names come to a team like LAFC... It just shows how much dedication and drive has been made into the MLS over the last couple of years. And before these two came over, really and truly the only big name, big, big name that we have pulled over to the MLS is David Beckham. (laughs) That's You have him, you have two... Certain regards, of course, you have to put Kaka into there. There are, of course, when it comes to the older generational talents like Roy Keane was a part of LAFC. And then, of course, you you have to talk about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. But we are starting to get a lot more of the talents that were around in the 2010s here in the U.S., I think that this can be a really good thing and whether we capitalize that on that or not is a completely different story. LAFC have really done amazing in the transfer window and something while researching for this episode I didn't even realize is that LAFC had acquired Kellen Acosta from Colorado Rapids. I didn't even know that which I think at least personally, I feel that that is a, a really good signing for LAFC to make, being the younger side of a strong American midfield coming to the national team. Kellen Acosta can really make his way in LAFC, and, and it it shows as well, being that the team is first in the West, and they've strengthened, they've just gone on and strengthened their team five-fold, ten-fold with Giorgio Chiellini and Gareth Bale both coming in in the same transfer window, I, I, had, I had made a tweet when that happened because I was just like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way, and I, I deeply apologize. I can't remember who made the tweet, but somebody was like, how are they still under the salary cap signing these players? It was just absolutely... It was absolute carnage on Twitter when when that happened. And overall, I'm just so excited for this. It really, really makes me so happy that we are able to bring in the youth talent that we have while also bringing in these talents that were in Europe. And they want to bring that success, bring the playing time, bring the skill over to the MLS. It's just an unbelievable time to be a fan of the MLS and of American soccer because I don't think we will ever get a time, as long as we keep everything even and level and in an upwards trend, we we haven't seen anything like this before. This is just something that we have not seen before, having these levels of talent coming over here and playing in the United States. I'm just so excited to see what happens after this because you have Giorgio Chiellini locking up the back and and helping to lock up the back for LAFC, which they've already been absolutely dominant in the league. You, You add to the defense Giorgio Chiellini that has had the success that he's had at Juventus. Looking a little closer to Giorgio Chiellini's achievements he's won nine Serie A titles along and paired with five Coppa Italia titles four Supercoppa Italia titles and two runners-up places for the UEFA Champions League with Juventus it's just an absolute trophy fest when it comes to this absolutely talented player to be adding on to to LAFC's roster I'd can only see nothing but good things happening to LAFC shoring up the defense like this but you've also got the attack improving with this as well adding on a right and or left attacking midfielder like Gareth Bale he's won three La Liga titles one Copa del Rey title one Supercopa de España titles and then you also have five Champions League titles just under this one guy Gareth Bale which is just absolutely insane and part of the reason why I had my absolute mind melted when LAFC announced his signing I just would have never I did, I would have never if you took me back 3 years and talk to myself, and say, Gareth Bale is going to LAFC in three years, I would have thought that you were absolutely crazy. There's no way that a player like Gareth Bale would play in the MLS in three years. He's 31 years old. He's still in relatively his prime, relatively speaking, especially if he can keep his fitness up and keeping his leg from being damaged, obviously that's just a, a key when it comes to a career in itself. But if he keeps those injuries down and not to throw any shade or anything, but keeps off the golf course, he's going to make LAFC even more dangerous going into this later half of the season. I'm scared to actually think what LAFC can do with Gareth Bale on the books. And I don't want to incorporate a whole ton to this but i definitely think that LAFC are looking to put it to Seattle Sounders for essentially winning the CONCACAF Champions League to have a team like Seattle Sounders winning that title without huge names i mean you you of course have the names like Jordan Morris with the Seattle Sounders you have those talents on the Seattle Sounders but overall you aren't having these gigantic names maybe that could be a goal for Gareth Bale and LAFC to try to win the CONCACAF Champions League especially if they're doing so well I think that was a a massive positive for them being at the top of the league or sorry top of the west and signing a player like Bale it I see nothing but really good things happening. And then the addition of the renewal having to do with Carlos Vela's contract. LAFC, I believe, and I'm willing to have a discussion with anybody on this. I think, arguably, this season, and maybe even MLS history, LAFC have turned into the first super team in the MLS. That's... That's my opinion, which is absolutely crazy to even think about because you have teams that have included the likes of David Beckham. You have the likes of Kaka. You have Nani as well. I mean, they never played together on Orlando City, but you have these talents on these other teams, but none of them were ever considered a quote-unquote super team. I think LAFC have broken that this Season, this transfer window alone, and becoming a MLS super team. And I am very excited to see how they finish off this season, and I'm even more excited to see how they go into the following season. Because even though Giorgio Chiellini is 37 years old, he's probably got a couple more years, maybe even up until he's 40 years old, left in the MLS. I think he can do very great things for the MLS, just like Bale is. I'm just so excited to see this and to reap what happens afterwards in the MLS and what traction we can get around the world, and especially with the 2026 World Cup coming up, I, th- it's just going to gain even more traction and put us on the map even further, I hope, and we can use this to our advantage and bring the world of football soccer to the mls and to the united states and get us more recognition than what we have now i think this is just a phenomenal thing and i don't want to talk too much about it Anymore. That's my overall opinion having to do with those transfers, and let's go ahead and get into the league breakdown this week, which is in Ecuador. So, for our league breakdown of the week, we are going to be talking about the Ecuadorian First Division, or Ecuadorian Serie A, this has been a competition that has been around since nineteen fifty seven so a grand total of sixty five years the pyramid or the number of teams that are in this level of the competition is sixteen teams in total and of course you have the domestic cup of the copa ecuador which of course we'll get to later but the format of The Serie A for Ecuador consists of two stages. Again, for simplicity's sake, I'm going to refer to them as the Apertura and the Clausura, basically meaning opening and closing stages of the league. So each team plays each other one time for the first section or first stage, Apertura, of the competition in which the team in first place qualifies for the championship game that is the key there between all of these other apertura and clausura leagues this only grants them the championship game or getting into the championship game now the second stage is again the same thing like the first stage or the same as the apertura, but the clausura, the first place team ends up going to the championship game, and the winner of the Apertura and the winner of the Klausura play against each other to claim the championship for the league that specific year. Now you ask, if the same team wins both the Apertura and the Klausura, what happens? Well, that's a great question because unlike the Apertura and Klausura's We had previously talked about there is no automatic automatic qualification from the second place team in the Clausura or some fancy ruling having to do with that. If a team wins both the Apertura and Clausura they are then automatically claimed as champions of Ecuador. That is how the league works in itself and there have been many 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 different teams that have won the league title of course we have to do our top 5 teams title wise in the ecuadorian league or city ah uh, in first place we have barcelona sc and this is not to be compared to the barcelona in spain this ecuadorian barcelona sc won the title first in 1960, their latest in 2020, and they have won a grand total of 16 titles, have been won by this one team. Now, going to second place, the second place team that has won the most or second most titles or leagues in Ecuador is SC Amalek with 14 titles under their belt. The first one in 1957 and the last one in 2017. In third place, you have El Nacional with 13 titles under their belt. The first one in 1967 and the last one in 2006. In fourth place, you have Liga Deportiva Universitaria Hopefully I said that right. But they have won a grand total of 11 league titles. The first one in 1969 and the latest one in 2018. In fifth and final place, winning a grand total of five ironic league titles is Deportivo Quieto. I hope I said that right. This is is a little more unfamiliar when it comes to my language and pronunciation. So again, I hope I didn't botch that. The first one, the first of their five league titles coming in 1964 and the latest one in 2011. That rounds up the top five most successful teams in the Ecuadorian League. Now, going on to the Copa Ecuador. There is a bit of a complication when it comes to this that is this is a brand new organization or cup that has been brought out in Ecuador it was founded in 2018 so there is no previous at least to the best of my knowledge there is no previous competition when it comes to a cup competition in Ecuador if you know of a cup competition in Ecuador please let me know on Twitter or and or our Facebook and let us know hey they do have a cup competition before 2018. I'll happily go back and recover this at in a later episode. But as of right now, again, the cup, cup competition was created in 2018. And the first and only winner of this cup competition is Liga Deportiva Universitaria. So they won the first and only cup competition that has been ongoing so far. So in 2019, this came out as the first game, but in 2020 and 2021, it was both canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. There is one going on currently, of course, with the Ecuadorian League happening. I hope to have or see another winner soon, but only time will tell when it comes to this cup competition, and I hope it sticks around, because I always love when different teams win different cup competitions. It's just a, a bonus when it comes to the year. More titles being able to be won by other teams, it's just a, a overall great feeling. Now, when it comes to the rivalries in Ecuador, you have two main rivalries when it comes to the Ecuadorian League and just overall in Ecuador. The two largest rivalries are Superclásico de Quieto, which is the rivalry between Sociedad Deportiva Aucas, I hope I say that right, and Liga Deportiva Universitaria is the main rivalry, which is located in the capital city of Quieto, and this rivalry was first started in 1945. More specifically, February 11th of 1945, and the latest match between these two sides, Deportiva Universitaria, actually ended up winning that game two to one or two to zero. My apologies. And it seems that over the history of this competition or of this rivalry between these two sides, Deportiva Universitaria has been the more successful side of this rivalry. But if we want to talk about success in Ecuador, you cannot go farther than the Immortal Football Match, or El Partido Immortal, which is, of course, the rivalry between Barcelona SC in Ecuador and Club Sport Emelec in the town of Guayaquil. I hope that that was pronounced correctly, but the first time that these two teams met each other was August 22nd of 1943 was the first time that this rivalry ended up happening. And since this first meeting, there has been a grand total of 287 matches played between these two teams. And with this, the winner as of right now, when it comes to... The more wins of the competition is Amalek, with 101 different wins under their belt. But overall, this rivalry has had a lot happen, especially with the inhabitants of the town of Galliquel. You have a grand total of 2.3 million people in the city, and then the surrounding metropolitan area, It actually grows to 3.1 million in the area being a part of this rivalry and it has seen some bad things happen to in this within this rivalry there have been some deaths having to do with it which is a very sad thing to happen and knowing that when it comes to rivalries i know that they don't mean for these things to happen it's an it has been a growing thing and a growing conscious decision between the two sides to make this rivalry more safe for fans to go to. And, unfortunately that's just the way that it had been before now we're seeing a lot more safer games when it comes to rivalries especially in the smaller leagues i i don't want to say small in the sense of not having a whole lot of support because again with this one singular rivalry there's more than three million people being involved especially within the town that it is associated with you want to have the most exposure and have the best rivalry in Ecuador or in the town that you're in. And you don't want that marred with any bad thing happening to anyone. And there has been great lengths reached to Ecuador and with the league to try to prevent this from happening ever again. And all in all, it is definitely a rivalry that I want to see. Maybe not in person, but definitely over the TV. And overall, it was just a a overall great thing to research, and it was an, a real eye opening experience. Not even realizing that there were three point one million people within the one just with within one town in Ecuador, and this was a really great. Example and summary of the league. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let's go ahead and get into this week's extra man advice of the week Alright, so for this week's extra man advice of the week I wanted to talk a little more when it comes to off-the-pitch Attitudes and off-the-pitch characteristics that some players can say or do to really be or really stand out compared to the rest of the crowd and one thing that can really show and really be a massive part to your success when it comes to being a soccer player is showing that you're versatile in being able to move being able to even go abroad when it comes to specific areas and teams maybe being able to go to these better sides uh, around the world you never know what you can really and truly do especially on a big side maybe even in let's say you have the opportunity to play in the third division of the mls or third division of not the mls of american soccer or you can go to the second tier of the czech republic let's just say Or maybe even the second tier of the Dutch football, or Dutch football, or second, or maybe even the fourth tier of the Spanish league. Who knows what you can do if you're able to say, hey, if I take this jump, I can really become a big player but that is also something can to consider as well when it when you take these moves you need to be able to realize that you may or may not have the support system that you want when it comes to these specific places places that you want to play. So make sure that you have that support network going there. Some people can do it completely by themselves. I myself personally am not one of those people, but some players can do that. Some players can maybe even bring one or two people along with them and make that kind of a move. You need to be able to do what is best for your career. And there was an individual that talked to me one-on-one and there is nobody in the world that knows or cares about what you want more than you. And everyone else will curtail or bend their way of how they want your success to happen. And to be able to have that, have your hands on the wheel of your own success by maybe even making a move abroad or. If you feel that the best move is staying in, let's just say for this example, staying in the US, you have to have that choice and know that you can be a better player doing that. And maybe even, let's make it even more simplistic, say that you live in Kentucky and you're one of the best players in the area, but you end up getting a transfer or you end up being acquisitioned by, let's just say... Austin FC, which is a little ways away for some people being from uh, the Midwest. And sometimes that's too big of a jump for people. You you need to be able to weigh those options, say, hey, maybe a move can better my career, better my situation. And overall, that can be a really positive thing when it comes to a football career. And even in life in general, it can be a positive thing. And I want players to know that and to know that you don't have to feel trapped in one area and feel like you can only do really really good at this one team versus another team the world is your oyster when you are a soccer player and limiting yourself to just the u.s at least with the within the last scenario or last example we talked about that is severely dampening what you can do as a player or what you have the possibility of doing as a player, as a soccer player. I think the foreign influence of American players can really change over the next couple years, especially if the younger players take these contracts abroad and play with these sides in other countries or even better sides in, in better leagues. It's an amazing experience, an amazing situation that we find ourselves in and I don't want any player to feel excluded or be not be a part of this success when it comes to the MLS and when it comes to American soccer in general. Don't be afraid to be adaptable and versatile and make moves like this if you have the opportunity to. That is going to wrap up this week. I hope you guys really enjoyed the information that I presented to you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you a million times thank you for making it to the end of this episode. If you have not already, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Worm Podcast. And if you have not, not checked out or followed our Twitter, it is at Worm PDCST. Again, our handle is at Worm C S T and if you have not checked out our website it is the Dash Warmburner Dash Podcast dot captivate dot FM again that is the dash wormburner dash podcast dot captivate at FM I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe, have fun, love soccer, and I'll see you guys next week. Ciao everyone.